Well, happy Friday, Story Fam. It's been so great uh, the past few weeks seeing more and more of you feeling comfortable getting back into in-person worship. I think as more people get vaccinated and our our uh, vulnerable family members get vaccinated and as we're we're just being as careful as we can at the story, I think folks are starting to feel like in-person worship is is possible again. So that's great because I think in-person worship together, um, worshiping God is so critical for our well-being as uh, as well as our spiritual growth, of course. Um, that's why we're so committed to offering worship services that are not only uplifting, but also safe and, and hospitable. So three things you need to know about worship in person, This starting this Sunday at all of our services at The Story. First of all, we're expanding our capacity, our seating capacity from 50 to 75%. So um, the guidelines have been 75 for quite some time now. We stayed at 50 just to be safe. I think we can safely increase that to 75 and and still keep our distancing and all of that in place for now. Um, with that increased capacity, we're no longer requiring RSVPs before our worship services. So you don't have to check in online before you come, which is awesome for so many of you. I know that that's kind of a hindrance. So we're taking that away. With that in mind, we are going to continue requiring masks to be worn at all of our services. So just BYOM, uh, bring your own mask party uh, Sunday morning at whichever service you attend, either at River Oaks or at um, at our Timber Grove campus, which I hope you've checked out by now. If you haven't, do that this Sunday. It's going to be a great weekend at River, at River Oaks and at Timber Grove. So um, you get the same message from the same preacher. You're listening to him right now at both campuses. and um, And it's just a really fun atmosphere over there. So be sure to check that out. All right, so this week's reflection has to do with depression and mental illness. Um, now, we all know that the last 12 months have been just one gut punch after another. And in times like these, I find that it's more important than ever to keep track of our mental health um, and, and to get help when we need it. So I hope this reflection will shed some light on an issue that is too often taboo in our culture and, if I'm honest, in our churches, unfortunately. So... If you know someone who might benefit from hearing this, I hope you'll share this little uh, podcast episode with them so that they can hear it. So Here we go. Depression and the Bible. Depression affects everyone it touches in different ways and to varying degrees. We understand how this works with other diseases. Some people who are genetically predisposed to cancer will, will come down with cancer, but other people will increase their chances of getting cancer with their life choices, and still some other people who have cancer will make their situation worse by ignoring their symptoms and avoiding the doctor at all costs. And these kinds of variations with the same disease are to be expected, and the very same thing can be said about depression. I love this simple definition of depression that Dr. Kurt Thompson once shared with us on the Maybe God podcast. He said, depression is what happens when we're no longer able to regulate our anxiety. Depression is what happens when we're no longer able to regulate our anxiety. He also said that anxiety is what happens when our shame takes over. So we get anxious because we're not doing enough or we don't, we don't feel good enough or we don't feel sufficient to rise to the occasion and 
And when our anxiety outpaces our capacity to regulate it, depression can begin to take root in our minds. Many people aren't aware how much the Bible actually has to say about depression. I think lots of folks see Christians acting artificially happy all the time. Therefore, they assume the Bible must also be superficially pleasant. But that's far from true. The Bible is grittier than most churches are and more honest than most Christians are, especially about depression. In some churches, if you seem to be struggling with depression, they might tell you to have more faith or they'll give you some platitude about how you're too blessed to be depressed. But the Bible never deals with depression that way. Never. In fact, the way the Bible addresses what we call depression and mental illness today is in lockstep with the most recent science on the subjects. Experts have been saying for years that depression, A, often stems from a predisposition or an inborn brokenness. B, is an illness of the mind, your mind is sick. And C, is intensified by a lack of connections, connection to meaningful work or community, family, nature, or a lack of connection to who you really are, your true identity. This is some of what the best science has been suggesting about depression, and the Bible affirms all of that. For those struggling in any way with depression, the Bible has three pretty clear messages that believers can carry around with us, like it's ammo for the fight of our lives where depression is concerned. First, the Bible recognizes that the role our minds play in our overall well-being is critical. It's not just what you do that defines you but it's or or it's not just how you feel that defines you but it's your thoughts really that have the power to define you your thoughts form the foundation on which you stand learning how to direct your thoughts is part of what it means to be a disciple of jesus christ consider this reflection from the apostle paul in philippians 4 8 says finally brothers whatever's true whatever's honorable just, pure, lovely, commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So he's saying that our thoughts are a choice that we make and our thoughts have power. Think about these things as opposed to something else. And the Bible doesn't stop there. The Bible writers go deeper to acknowledge mental illness. They were way ahead of their time in this regard, in their awareness, that just as our bodies can get sick, our minds can become ill as well, such as Paul's insistence that Christian men and women prioritize the health of our minds when he wrote, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, in Romans 12, 2. So, the Bible's first message for all of us, uh, when we're suffering with Symptoms of depression is, hey, you're broken. It's okay. We all are. But when we struggle with depression, it's our mind that is sick. Our minds need some healing. So that's the first thing the Bible is clear about. The second is the role of community in our fight against depression. The, the Bible is clear about this. Not only is it important for us to know that it's normal for Christians to struggle with mental illness, but also that the heroes of our faith in the Bible 
went through episodes and seasons that sound eerily familiar and similar to what we call depression today. Why else would the authors of the Bible choose to share with us and everybody else their most vulnerable moments of life? Consider the great Old Testament prophet Elijah, great hero of the Bible, who once said in 1 Kings 19, I've had enough, Lord, take my life. Or consider King David, even more heroic in his stature in the Bible. He had it all and still struggled with depression. He is the one who wrote those words Jesus said from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me in Psalm 22? And in Psalm 6, he lamented, I am weary with my moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with my weeping. Even Jesus struggled mightily with acute anxiety and appears to have battled through some depressive episodes. The Bible calls Jesus a man of sorrows, acquainted with our grief. Many skeptics will say that the Bible is merely a myth or a legend. And I understand the point they're trying to make, but it would be extremely atypical of a legend or a myth to celebrate a host of heroes who are often in despair, if not deeply depressed, and some of whom even contemplate suicide at times. Why does the Bible divulge such delicate details about its greatest heroes so transparently? Because if you're struggling with depression, God wants you to know that you're not alone. You're not alone. That's the second thing the Bible's clear about where depression is concerned. Third, the Bible authors rightly draw the connection between toxic thought patterns like depression and a crisis of our identity. So the first Christians had this radical idea that when Jesus died on the cross, our afflictions died as well. We still have to deal with their collateral damage in our souls and in our lives, but the power of those afflictions over us was nailed to the cross with Christ. And now the Holy Spirit lives in us and is restoring us to our original condition, which is the perfect image of God, which is our truest identity. Consider these words from Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So the gospel's answer to depression is to remind us that depression is not our truest identity. Our toxic thoughts do not define who we really are, because only Jesus on the cross can define who we really are and what we're really worth. The next time you feel the darkness closing in around you, I want to encourage you to remember three things. First, depression's battlefield of choice is in your mind. Insofar as it is up to you, choose to think about whatever is true, good, and pure, and holy. Second, you are not alone in this fight. In fact, you stand in a long line of other believers going all the way back to the Bible who have cried out to God from the depths of despair. Many others here in our Story congregation have battled depression and are struggling with it today. So if you need support, never hesitate to ask. Don't let your shame lie to you as if it's only you that's struggling. Ask and you shall receive where depression is concerned. And people will come rushing to your side. 
Third, your true identity and your true worth are defined by nothing less than the cross of Jesus Christ. And the cross of Jesus says that you are forgiven. You are loved. You are worth dying for. And you are a child of God. That's it for today, everybody. If um, this is something that you struggled with recently or throughout your journey, I hope that you've got people around you who know that and who can support you earnestly in that. If you don't have someone, please reach out for help when you need it because there are people who would be more than happy to step forward and support you in this fight, um, myself included. So I love you all so much, and I hope to see you this Sunday at the Story Church. Remember, if you're coming in person or watching online, this is Leap Forward Sunday, so be sure to set those clocks up an hour before you go to bed on Saturday night. All right, bye, everybody. Take care.